Hello, hello. Okay, yeah. So the thing I'm going to be talking about today is um, stories. So stories are significant and they hold a lot of meaning to a lot of people. So with that being said, I'm going to start off with a children's book for a story. Be kind. Tanisha spilled grape juice yesterday. All over her new dress. Everyone laughed. I almost did too. But mom always tells me to be kind. So I tried. I don't think it worked. I said, purple is my favorite color. I thought Tanisha would smile, but she ran into the hall instead. When she came back, snack time was over. She put on her art smock and didn't look at anyone. I almost told Tanisha that art was my favorite class, but I didn't want her to leave again. So I painted purple splotches and added some green until I had a bunch of beautiful violets. While I painted, I thought about Tanisha. Should I have handed her my napkin? Let her borrow my sweatshirt? Spilled my juice so everyone stared at me instead? What does it mean to be kind anyway? What does it mean to be kind to you? Or what does it mean for someone to be kind to you? Maybe it's giving, making cookies for Mr. Rinaldi who lives alone, letting someone with smaller feet have my too tight shoes. He might win races in them too. Maybe it's helping, putting dirty dishes in the sink, like helping out mommy clean up after yourself, picking up your laundry, making your bed, cleaning up after Otis, or class guinea pig, he's a messy eater. Maybe it's paying attention, telling Desmond I like his blue boots, asking the new girl to be my partner, listening to Aunt Franny's stories, even the ones I've heard before. Being kind could also be saying nice things about someone, complimenting someone, Telling your mom that she looks so pretty today. Picking her flowers. Being kind should be easy, like throwing away a wrapper or recycling a bottle or saying, thank you, bless you. My mom says the quickest way to be kind is to use people's names. Hey, Kayla, what's new, Omar? Good afternoon, Rabbi Mandelbrook. Being kind can be hard too, even when you know what to do. Teaching someone something I'm good at is tricky, even when I'm patient. Being kind could be also sharing with your siblings and sticking up for someone when other kids aren't kind is really hard and really scary. Maybe I can't solve Tanisha's grape juice problem, 
Maybe all I can do is sit by her in art class and paint this picture for her because I know she likes purple too. Maybe I can only do small things, but my small things might join small things other people do. And together, they could grow into something big. Remember kids, small things can make a big difference too. Something really big, so big that our kindness spilled out of our school, spread throughout town. Travel across the country and go all the way around the world. Wouldn't that be the best thing? If everyone is kind, the whole world would be a big bubble of kindness. Wouldn't that be cool? Right back to Tanisha and me, so we can be kind, again and again. And again. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to start off, yeah, yeah. So, as you can see, I started off with the children's story. I spent a lot of time this week looking and reading a lot of children's books, so I wanted to put you guys on the experience with me, too. Um, but I wanted to show that more for a deeper reason than that is, is the fact that this children's book is something that seems so small and not so significant, but if you look at the bigger scheme of things, this story really represents the uh, image of God through that story, through uh, the girl displaying kindness to different people in her life and then just displaying an uh, act of service to other people, and that's a representation of God. So I kind of wanted to start off with that and put you guys on the track that I'm going down this, going down today. Um, a couple of weeks ago, probably a week or so ago, you guys talked about your testimonies and got to get vulnerable and learn more about each other and learn more about God. I know that for some people it was pretty easy to share your testimony, but then I know that for some it was pretty hard, whether that was you are going through hard things or you were afraid, you were afraid of what people would think of your story and what you went through, or you were afraid that your story didn't compare to somebody else's story. And, but overall, that time and space was just really great and a great time with each other. And then you guys kind of left off of, the, off of that to um, camp. And for camp, I know a lot, of, a lot of guys, a lot of people here got to feel God in a lot of different ways. People were on a spiritual high that whole time we were there, whether that was from worship or that was from doing activities with each other from hitting each other and tackling each other and throwing around nasty watermelon um, to small groups and just giving each other hugs and receiving hugs from each other. We all felt God in different ways throughout that time. But um, for me, I felt it a little different when I was up there. 
I felt it when I was at lunch by myself at a table. It was pretty cool to know that God was sitting with me then. And I just got the time and space to sit and reflect on where, where I'm at right now with you guys and experiencing life with you guys and just finding the joy and happiness I, I was living in and just in and remembering where I came from and just being able to feel the overwhelming love and faithfulness of God through that. And it's, it was kind of cool. God's timing is just so so perfect. Um, Cameron, a few minutes later, came over and sat with me at the table after I got done reflecting a little bit and stuff. And during that time, we, it lasted for about an hour to an hour and a half, and we were just sitting together. And we went from talking about sports and and marriage and um, our majors and stuff in school, and then it went a little deeper, and we started talking about my life and how that's been for me, and we both kind of left that table learning more about each other and knowing more about God through my story and knowing that we are loved and cared for no matter what. And that was just a great time to be able to, to, be able to do that with each other and just enjoy each other's company and God's company in that as well. And I, I kind of say this because um, God equips us with powerful stories. Each and every last one of us has a powerful story, whether you think that is the smallest story or the biggest. Because, like, it doesn't matter how big your rock is because no matter how big it is, um, your rock will still move and make ripples in the pond that you live in. Because if you look at David, he had the um, smallest of pebbles, the littlest rock, and he put all his faith in God with that rock and threw it and took down the giant with that, with that little rock. So our stories, no matter how big or how small it is, can move people's lives and move, and move um, the Holy Spirit in their lives and have them have a better understanding of who God is through your story whether you think it's small or big. And kind of transitioning from that, I wanted to invite you all into my story and understand who I am and how God has worked in my life. Um, so around six years old, I kind of had an understanding of loneliness and depression and feeling like there was no purpose in life. I was born into a pretty broken family. I had a mother who was raped at 15, had her first child at 16, and became a drug addict and alcoholic as well. And then I had a father who was born into a, with a mother who was an alcoholic, and he kind of went down the same path as her and became an alcoholic as well. And that that was their foundation of their relationship when they got together and um, got married and everything. And around when I was six, um, they decided to get a divorce with the, one another. And they both separated and went, went their own ways. And my mother decided to take custody of me, my older brother, and then my younger sister which kind of made the relationship between my dad and I to fade 
over time. Um, I would visit him probably once or twice a month. And during those visits, it was more of being at his friend's house where they got together and drank and played games and talked about women in bad ways and just it wasn't a time where it was like father-son time. It was more of us, me and my sister, going over while he hung out with his friends and drinking, got drunk, and we had to take care of him kind of relationship. So that was kind of our relationship together, and it wasn't the best, but that's what I understood was what a man and a guy is supposed to do, and that's how you're supposed to be around other men and be around people. So... That was the, our foundation between me and my father. And on my mother's side, she decided to enter the dating world again. And in the midst of me, uh, meeting different men, she was also struggling financially, which um, kind of led to us being homeless for around nine to ten months around that time when I was around six years old. And the way my mom tried to handle that situation was sending me and my sister over to my grandmother's house or we would stay at um, my, her boyfriend's house at times and eat his food and eat my grandmother's food at that time. And eventually after those few, um, few months, we ended up getting an apartment again. It was a small apartment. And... We were happy still, though, but because we had each other, and it was me and my sister, my brother, and I. So it was we were happy being together and having each other, regardless of what situation we were in, and we knew that it could have been a lot worse with that kind of situation. But at around this age, it's you're kind of kind of forced to grow up quick with just being your kind of situation you're in. You're learning to take new roles and understanding life a little differently at this age. So I had a understanding of what uh, um, what I wanted to be as a male role model for my family in the future. I had an understanding that I wanted to have my kids in the future have a male role model that they can look up to and know that they can feel secure and have purpose around this this man in their life and just be able to grow. So around this age, I had an understanding of that and what I wanted for my future. And soon after this, um, my mom met this man um, who she's now married to um, for around two or three years now. Um, she met him a while ago when I was a kid, and I really looked up to this man. He brought Christ into our life for the first time. My mom understood it and learned about it, and he kind of introduced it into our lives, and I really looked up to him. I would wear suits like he wore. I would talk how he talked, walk how he walked, and did everything he did, and I really looked up to him. And within a few months, he got arrested for 10 years, and he was out of our lives again, and I was pretty heartbroken because I opened up to this man, and it was something new, and I felt loved and everything, and then he disappeared, and I didn't understand why, and 
why he would do that to us. So I kind of went stone-hearted again and kind of just lost feelings and lost the passion for another male to be in my life. Um, and following that, I kind of turned to my brother to try to fix these kind of problems. And he was around the age of 17, 18 years old at this point. And he had to grow up quick as well and take on that father role for all of us, my sister and my brother. But he was also a teenager too. It didn't have any guidance in his life. So he um, kind of turned to the streets and turned to stealing, fighting, smoking, drinking, and all that. And being the little kid that I was, I wanted to follow out there. I looked up to my older brother and that kind of led to me doing things as well. And at the age of 12, I was basically drunk for the first time and experienced that and understood that that was a piece of comfort for me. And so from the age of 12, I was drinking and getting into that and found comfort in doing that. Um, and just continuing from that, uh, my mother met another man, um, and this man w came into our lives with all of our issues, with my sister and her issues, me and my issues, my mother and her issues, my brother and her issues. And he kind of stepped in and decided that he was going to try to take a role in our lives as a father and as a boyfriend, husband. And he stepped in and it, to me, seemed too good to be true. He um, was just seemed ingenuine to being nice to me and my sister and just kind of selfish and didn't seem like a genuine loving guy to me. And But my mom insisted that we still move in with them. And in the midst of that, we found out that it was too good to be true. Um, for around five years of my life, all up to my sophomore year of high school, this man physically and verbally abused me, my sister, my mom for five years of our life and took advantage of us and made us feel worthless and like we were nothing. And at this point, I was completely drained of happiness and and felt like I had no purpose and no drive for living anymore. I wanted to basically take my life at this point because I felt like if this is all that life offered me and it's all that life was for me, I didn't want to live anymore. And by the grace of God, um, I enter into my junior year and um, within my, I entered in my junior year and the first two years I decided to pick up new habits and some habits I picked up were good. Some of them were learning instruments so I learned how to play the piano for the first time and that learned that that brought me joy and happiness. And then I also picked up sports my freshman year of high school in which I played basketball and football all four years. And I also picked up bad habits. I started drinking more. I started to just fight and still, and I got it. I'm getting arrested in and out of jail sometime and just 
not doing the right things at the same time. And um, once again, entering into my junior year, my um, coaching style for my football team changed. Um, this weird white guy came to our school and just different from everybody I was around and didn't understand why he was always so happy and always forgave people and loved on people and was always energetic for the team and stuff. We all thought he was weird and we didn't want anything to do with him, but he was our coach, so we had to listen and do those things. And I remember one time, my junior year, I went, I was hanging out with some friends and we went to go steal some more things. And this time, um, I got arrested, got called and got arrested, and my mom came and she was very mad at this point and like really furious with the decisions I was making. And she decided to tell my coach all the things that were going on and what I did. And he, I mean, she basically said she doesn't want me to be on the team anymore and leave that and just be it, go to school and come right home after school. But my coach saw something different in me and I didn't understand that. So he convinced my mom to let me stay on the team, but I have to do um, disciplinarian things, whether that was running extra after practice or something. But besides that, he decided to meet with me once a week and dive into my life and try to understand more of why I was doing the things I was doing rather than to think of bad of me. And I thought this was cool. And I thought it was weird too because I never had somebody just off the rip forgive me for something I did like that. Because I went through five years of being abused physically and verbally, I didn't understand that that was possible to do to forgive somebody in that way and not retaliate and lash out on that person. So he kind of stepped in and just changed the program and changed my understanding of a male to me. And um, he just was, was different. Yeah, he was different than any other male I had in my life. And as far as my life outside of football, it was still kind of the same, but within the football program, it, it changed in a different direction. And this guy, I found out, this random guy that came and changed the program went to Wheaton College, which is the college I go to now. And he was a really strong Christian guy. I found this out uh, my senior year, but I get there. And I remember he brought his children to a practice one day, and I didn't think much of it, but I remember we had went on a, um, a water break, and we all, the whole team ran over and got water, and he decided to go run over to his children. And for some reason, I, I just had a feeling I wanted to turn around and see what he was going to do. And I turned and saw him running to his children, and I saw all three of his children have the biggest smile on their face. They were laughing and 
smiling the whole time when their dad came over and throwing them in the air and he's smiling. It just looked like a happy just place. And I couldn't stop thinking that whole practice that the same thing I said I wanted for my children of having a good role model, he's showing, he's showing us here right now how having a good male role model can do to your family and everything. And I was like, whatever he did, whatever he's doing, I need to figure it out and do it because I want that for my children in the future. And this is my junior year of high school when I saw this. And kind of transitioning from that, I enter into my senior year and I kind of forgot about that whole moment and didn't think much of it anymore after that practice. And I um, went into my senior year and I wanted to, I kind of figured I wanted to play football at a higher level and I applied for different colleges and stuff. And I had offers from a bunch of different colleges and I was super excited. I was like, I finally figured out who I was and what I supposed to do and where I supposed to be and stuff. And like, I put my identity in this sport and found my host, most happiness in this sport. So I was going to put everything into it. And then in the midst of my senior year, right before our season started, I um, tore my ACL and had a couple other injuries. And that kind of stopped everything in my life. It took away the offers. It took away my ability to play. It took away my happiness. It took away my joy. It took away my identity. It took away everything for me. And I was the same feelings I was having when I was being abused in different ways was the same feelings I was having then. I felt alone again. I felt like there was no worth in my life. I felt like I had no purpose. I had no drive anymore. And my coach noticed these things about me because he developed a relationship with me throughout the um, year and a half then. And he saw these things and kind of talked to me and mentored me through those. And he was like, you know, you can consider Whedon. And I was like, what is Whedon? Um, I don't know what that school is. And he was like, I went there for my graduate year, I mean, my college years. It was like, I played there and um, my other co his other friend played there that I knew as well. And he was like, I want you to consider it and just apply for the school and send them your, um, what, what is it called? The highlight tape, there we go, yeah. He told me to send the, my highlight tape to him and I did it. I did it because, not because I wanted to, but because he asked me and I respected him and I valued his opinion to me because he was the only person who was willing to sit and forgive and, and just like me for who I was outside of the sport and everything and what I did. So I applied and I got recruited there and my they came and visited me and asked me a bunch of questions and ended up asking me, do I want to come visit the school? And I was like, oh man, I don't want to do this. Um, I only did it because my coach told me to. So I don't want anything to do with it. But my coach was sitting there, so I couldn't say that. So I said, sure, I, I come visit. And 
I was just going to lie to him. And then my coach ended up saying he's going to drive me up there. I was like, sweet, okay. <laughs> so we ended up leaving a couple of weeks later and driving up there. And he dropped me off. And this was my first time at a Christian college, first time around a bunch of white people, crazy white people I was around that was weird and did weird Christian things and stuff. And I kind of was kind of hesitant of opening up or doing anything there. And then I remember the first person I sat down and talked to asked me, the first question, he didn't ask me how good was I, do I have a good football language stuff. I don't want to go into that. But um, instead of asking me all these things, he asked me, how is my life at home? And that shocked me. That blew me away that somebody would ask me that. I didn't expect anybody to want to know about my life and know about who I was. And... I kind of didn't answer that. I kind of stepped away and kind of answered it in a way that was more comfortable for me. And he didn't let that slide. He kept asking me even deeper questions and getting to, and it kind of forced me to open up. And he was listening to me and he was listening to everything I was saying and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is, it's kind of cool, but it's weird because I don't know you. So why are you talking to me this way? Um, but over the the three days I stayed there, I couldn't understand the feelings I was I had at the end of the camp, at the end of the trip. I ended up committing that same weekend, two days later, to that school, and it was like a complete flip for me because I left not just feeling wanted, but also feeling loved for more than what I can provide to that person and to this team. I felt valued. I felt I felt wanted. I felt like a person again. I felt like they actually cared for me and wanted me there to grow with me and develop a relationship with me. I was like, I don't and I was like, I don't know how you are how you all are doing this and I didn't understand it, but I was like, I want this. I want whatever they're doing. And all these guys were literally just like my coach. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is sick. And I wanted to join. So I ended up committing there and um, ended up having the desire to find fulfillment through those guys because that's where they, they were the ones who were making me happy. They were the ones who were bringing me joy. So I found fulfillment through them. So... That was my biggest reason for committing. And then come my um, freshman year of college, I was still looking for fulfillment through my friends there and through the guys that were around me. And I, I remember um, studying for a biology test, which don't take biology in college. It's not worth it at all. Um, but I was studying for a biology test, and I um, was in an empty dorm room by myself studying, and I decided to bring my Bible with me and um, to bring it in 
probably to read during the study break because I knew that that was what all my friends were doing around me and this was the Christian thing to do. And I didn't know what, what else to do to be like the other guys around me. So to seem like I knew what I was doing and seem like I was a, a Christian, I read the Bible here and there whenever I could and didn't understand. So I decided to bring it in during my study break. And in the midst of um, my studying, I took a break and I looked up and the first thing I saw was my Bible. And I was like, ah, I forgot I brought this. He's like, you know what, let's read it. And I ended up opening it randomly. I just flipped it open and said whatever pops first in my eye I was going to read. And Psalms popped up. And and I'm reading through Psalms a bit. And as I was reading, I, I still can't explain it. I got this overwhelming feeling of emotions I've never felt before. I couldn't understand it. I didn't, I couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't understand it. And it just made me bawl. I bawled for probably 30 minutes to close to an hour and didn't understand why I was doing this and couldn't figure it out. And I ended up texting a friend I made up there. And I was like, I'm bawling. I don't know why. All I did was reading my Bible, and I'm bawling and crying. And this person, all they said to me was, God is good. And that was it. And it kind of left me there with that to manifest in and just think through. And at the end of my my studying, I... um. Didn't end up finishing studying. I ended up just reading my Bible and, and crying the whole time. I, I think I passed that test with like a C. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I ended up realizing that all those same feelings I thought I was getting from those guys was not from them but from God in an even better way in a way that was not containing. And I felt that in my heart and my soul in that time and space. And I understood that God was the one who fulfills me, the one who gave me purpose, the one who um, is just supposed to be the one in your life to push you to do things and make you understand that you're not valued by what you do, by what you give, but who you are. And that is a child, a child of God. And I thought that was cool. And I, and that's kind of how I left that environment, <clears throat> being in um, from that study, that studying session. Um, and come now, um, I was able to be here with you guys by the grace of God, and be here and preach this my story to you guys about how God just worked in my life and seeing where I came from and seeing my experience now with God and just seeing the change he put in my life and being able to use my story to reach out to people like you and your age and different, anybody in my life. And I'm thankful for that. And I um, I ended up getting baptized probably two weeks ago, um, two or three weeks ago. And I was, yeah. 
and that was a big change in my life and a big part of my life now. And I just, I'm as happy as I can be with God being in my life. I have a beautiful fiance back there and I'm happy. So I'm blessed. Um, and just kind of transitioning from that. I, I was, I read, um, Acts 26, 22 to 23. I brought this up there, and I'm going to read it to you guys. It says, but God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike, and I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Paul testified the truth of God through his story and through his testimony, even when people were there trying to prosecute him. And I, I'm here to testify my story and testify the truth through my story and let you um, come in and, to my life and understand me. And not just understand me, but understand God and his faithfulness and his love and how that worked in my life. And he can work in your life as well. And with that, I just want to open up and say that if you are looking for these same kind of fulfillments and looking for these different kind of ways to find joy in your life, know that God is there. He is the one who is going to fulfill you in every desire you want in your life and everything you need. And kind of off of that, I just want to say if you have any questions on how to do that and how to... And who to turn to. There's many staff here and many leaders here. I'm here. If you have any questions on how to do that and who to turn to, we're here. And, and yeah, if you have that, we're open to talk to you at any time, any space. Yeah. And so let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for this time. Thank you for this space. I want to thank you for the story you were able to give me and be able to share to people who wants to chase after you, Lord, and chase after your love. I pray that each and last person understand that their story is so significant. It's so significant to your story and who you are, Lord. I pray that they have the confidence to go out and just share who they are and how God is working in their life, in their life Lord. I just pray that we continue to grow closer to one another and continue to go closer to you, Lord. Continue to fill your love and give others love in their life, Lord, as they need. As my coach did in my life, I pray that they're able to do the same for somebody else in their life, Lord. Pray that we continue to be an example of you and, and your glory and, and just all of who you are, Lord. We're so thankful for you, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name.